This is the Tabernacle Podcast with John Vermilia and me, Ben Brown. Good morning, John. Good morning. How are you doing this morning? Uh, I'm doing great. I, I just some, something hit me today. Uh, uh, which, by the way, welcome to the oh. podcast. Britton Bishop is out of town. Yes. And so we've got our favorite Ben Brown here. Uh, but but one of many. One of many. <laughs> You've already figured me out. There's lots yeah. of Ben Browns out there. In the oh, world. yeah, yeah. No, no, no. My favorite Ben Brown. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what hit me is we're sitting in a dark dungeon that the walls are covered in black. And that's also y- you and I both. It's our favorite color. It so is. there's a lot of black going on. This is like back in black, right? Very, very much so. <laughs> my wife laughs when she looks at my wardrobe. She's like, you're like Batman. You work in either black or very, very dark gray. Yes, black, <laughs> dark gray, navy. I've, I've, had, I've had people like in church go, you always wear black. And I'm like, you know, I don't come to your work and yell at you, <laughs> you know, about, about, about what you're wearing. But there it is, Tabernacle family. Yes. I wear a lot of black, a little bit of navy blue, a little gray, but... We look like two floating heads in here, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, th- uh, we could have planned a little bit better for that. Wardrobe did not get with us before we showed well, up. Yeah, but there's a rumor. There's a rumor I cannot neither confirm nor deny is that Lindsay Hoflinger, who is a, an, an amazing staff member, right? We love Lindsay. We yes. love David. But Lindsay has been promising now for a while that she's going to decorate this room. And now this isn't a call out. This isn't a rebuke. I just don't know if I can trust the words that come out of Lindsay's mouth in, anymore. <laughs> she was going to like get us some pictures. She was going to like, you know, it's a little something more than the Tabernacle Rhino right over here. I don't know what his name is, but he, he needs a name. But it's just black on black on black, which maybe that is the point. Maybe we just stay there. Know, know? the darkness. <laughs> know the darkness, right? Uh, uh, all sorts what of- What are we doing today? Uh, we are in Luke chapter 19 as we are continuing through the Gospel of Luke and our Son of God series. Um, and you know, I was listening to this on the Uversion Bible app on my way to the church this morning, and there's some very distinct sections in here. Um, but as it usually does, they tend to go together quite well. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit kind of makes that happen. Yeah, you know, yeah. and 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 I think I've said this before when we do a little Luke ser- series, and we always go through this like Bite Club style or Tab Women's Bible Study style, where we mm-hmm. say. What's it say? What's it mean? Now, what's it mean for us type of thing? But um, even though we're not covering this or we didn't cover this through our sermon series, it doesn't mean there's no value here. Usually what it means is these are stories that we've covered before. And one of the stories, in fact, the very first story, uh, the first 10 verses is one we covered in the intro of the Son of God series with Luke. Um, so there's no wasted words in scripture, uh, but sometimes we're, we're just because of the calendar, we're trying to get somewhere. We're trying to get uh, to the uh, to the resurrection by Easter, and so this is one of the chapters that we couldn't cover on a weekend, but it's got unbelievable depth, as all of Scripture does. So. Yeah, and you know, back in the old days, this might have been called Wednesday night church or Sunday school or something like that. But with modern technology, this is just a new version <laughs> of that, where you can tune in, listening while you're driving down the road, while you're out running, uh, laying on the couch, or whatever you do. And uh, so, yeah, we get to take church with us, and this is just a little bit more of an informal style of doing that. Perfect. So, yeah, we're just going to get right into it this morning, uh, this afternoon, whatever time you're listening, midnight, 2 a.m., just glad to have you with us. So I'm going to be reading out of the ESV here. We're going to start off with the story of Jesus and Zacchaeus and uh, verse 1. Is it Zacchaeus or Zacchaeus? Uh, I like to say Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus. <laughs> Do you know how many people, when they read this, they have full Britain Bishop moments? 
omnipotent. Yeah. Omnipotent. Yeah. Uh, before we even started, uh, we were we were laughing about that with our executive producer Matt Hughes and our studio producer Benjamin Vermilia sitting over there in the corner. Uh, hey, but ben. you but you made a great comment, and I loved what you said because. Sometimes people won't read the Bible because of, of names like this. Is it Zacchaeus? Is it Zacchaeus? If you're feeling froggy, is it Zacchaeus? Is it Zach? But you quoted something that I think is important for our listeners to hear because it might encourage them to don't worry about that and just read. Do you mind sharing that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I got this from Jacko Willink. Uh, he made a point one time, never make fun of somebody who mispronounces a word because they more than likely learned that word from reading not from necessarily listening to somebody. So, you know, in the English, English language, as uh, beautiful as it is, is also horribly chaotic with its use of mm-hmm. different rules that don't apply here. They only apply there. And uh, so, yeah, it just, somebody mispronounces a word when they're reading. They're, uh, that's actually a beautiful thing because that's how they, they learned reading. it. They were they're reading. reading. <laughs> yeah. And, and reading God's word is huge. So sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry for the bunny trail. Uh, we're in Luke 19. I thought that was cool. Uh, yeah, no, it is. And, and when you come across, especially in the Bible or anything else you're reading, Lord of the Rings, whatever it might be, there's all these crazy names and the pronunciation isn't the most important part. It's just being able yeah. to identify it. So as I tell my daughter when she's reading that stuff, you can pronounce it however you want, as long as it makes sense to you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's so beautiful, man. Yeah, ben, man. Bro. Okay, go. Yeah, take care of those young ladies in your life. Okay, verse number one. He entered Jericho, this is Jesus, and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on the account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So let's pause right there for a moment. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very familiar story. And uh, one thing that I don't like about this story is the fact that uh, uh, the way it's been told and retold so many times, like in, you know, if you grew up in the church, whether it's Protestant or Catholic, you've always heard the story of Zacchaeus, you know, he was a wee little man, you know, up in the sycamore tree. Zacchaeus, you come down, right? And it isn't that I don't like the story. What I don't like is we kind of turn it into a silly story instead of a very serious story, yes. you know? It's, there's some interesting things in here. This is one of the few places where we get a description of a man. We have very few descriptions of Jesus physically, right? Um, except the prophets say there was nothing in him that would make you think he was attractive. Even though our modern day artists like to, you know, make him blonde haired, blue eyed and look like Fabio, mm-hmm. you know, you know, we always make him the most attractive dude in the painting. Um, we don't know a lot about Jesus, but the writer knew something physically about Zacchaeus. It says that he was small of stature. 
And if you've ever been below six feet in a mosh pit, mm-hmm. that's the worst. I mean, that's me. I'm 5'10", right? Oh, yeah. And, and you got to be strategic. But, you know, I've been to some music festivals before with, like, my kids. They can't see anything. Yeah. So you got to go further away or you got to get up higher mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, figure out a way to get a backstage pass. But he's got none of those things, and that's why he's in the tree. Um, so that's the first thing that jumps out. I don't know what jumps out to you about that story. Yeah, he's uh, – well, in that, he's a guy who's got a pretty nasty reputation in town. Yeah. And the first thing that the religious leaders point out is this rabbi who's supposed to be so holy – uh, he's going to hang out with somebody that he's got a really nasty reputation. People yeah. do not like him. Uh, he's reviled. Uh, he's known as a thief. Yeah, because um, he's a tax collector. He's a tax collector, yeah. and, and the way that that worked, I know we've covered this before, but it's always worth repeating in case somebody's just jumping in. The way that worked is you were, as a tax collector, you were employed by the Romans uh, to collect taxes for them, which mm-hmm. that was not looked upon right nicely. Yeah, you're uh, you're a collaborator. Yeah, you're a collaborator with the invading mm-hmm. uh, regime, and so you were collecting collecting taxes for them. But then you could collect as much as you wanted, and you got to pocket the rest. Yeah, and I'm sure there was some. I mean, we can assume there was some political uh, payoff. Probably, you know, we could speculate on all of that. We don't want to read too much into that, but we do know it. Uh, the tax collectors of that day were definitely reviled. Yeah. Um, Matthew was another one, one of Jesus' mm-hmm. disciples. Right. And uh, so he, he's got a bad reputation, and of all the people in the crowd, uh, this is the person that Jesus wants to go hang out with. Yeah. This is the one that he's going to have a heart-to-heart with. This is the person that uh, actually has his attention more so than some of the, well, the the holy people, the so right. so-called holy people of the day. You know, you know what else just struck struck me as you're talking about this. Um, you know that verse verse ten. Um, Jesus points out. You know, I'm 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 jumping ahead here, but not to say we're done with the story at all. But at the very end of the story, he says, "The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost." And this is one of those stories where we don't know how Jesus knew Zacchaeus by name. So there's a big crowd, they're all pressing in. I mean, if we imagine it, there's a big crowd, they're all pressing in, and this short guy can't see, so he climbs up in a tree, which is not the most dignified thing, but there's other people that are climbing up in trees or climbing up on, you know, the, the compound walls or whatever, it, you know, it kind of looked like. And, and in the midst of that crowd, he looks up and calls him by name. Zacchaeus, you must come down. I would like to go to your house. He called him by name. And how many times, or what, you know, you and I've talked about this over the years. A great way to start a fight in church is to talk about predestination versus free will. You know, I don't care what side of that intramural spat you're on. And if, and, and by the way, if you're listening and you don't know what we're talking about, there's forever this argument in church. Does God, you know, just reach down and and play duck, duck, goose, and just choose the ones that he wants and the ones that he doesn't want he just discarded? Or do we have a free will in the matter? My personal belief is the Bible teaches both, that it's both God choosing and drawing, and it's also working with our free will. And and regardless of that, Scripture after Scripture after Scripture talks about us being chosen. Or or my favorite, John chapter 6, verse 44, where Jesus says, No one can come to me— unless my father draws him first. Mm. 
So there's something in Zacchaeus that's being drawn. Well, he's looking, and and, and there's this beautiful picture that's illustrated, yeah. uh, and we don't want to spiritualize the text, but this is a picture of someone who's taking active steps to get a glimpse of Jesus to go, what is this right. about? Right. And this could be a simple, you know, how does this play out modern day? This could be a, some, something as simple as somebody saying, what is it with all these Bible verses you have, yeah. like, uh, you know, hanging in your house? Or, or tattooed on your body. Yeah, or tattooed, yeah, yeah. or uh, you just seem to have a lot of joy in your life. What is that about? Somebody who's different at the workplace. Right. And it, it's it's somebody who's seeing something that is different, right. that is, uh, might be calling to that spiritual space that we all have, that we mm-hmm. were all born with, um, deep inside that's longing for longing for that spiritual connection right. that God, only God can provide. And then we catch a glimpse of it somewhere and we take a step, actually a physical step. We say something with our mouth. We show up at a place and <laughs> yeah. we're going, I can't believe I'm walking into this building. That first time somebody decides to come to church on uh, from an invite. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so th- th- there's, Zacchaeus is looking for something. And right. if you are listening to this and you are looking for something, uh Jesus is on your side, man. He's yeah. he's thrilled about that, and there's a good chance that the hounds of heaven are on your trail. Yeah. Well, you you, you and I got to you and I and Benji and and a lot of other men got to witness that um, at the Man Up uh, event that we did. Yes. It, uh, it's not a retreat. Matt Simon wants us to call it an advance. <laughs> That's fine. But uh, but there was a bunch of men at Lake Ann Camp, and our speaker, friend of ours, someone who's been on this. Uh, podcast more than once foster christie was there and uh you've got 130 ish maybe more men all in a room and uh the very first night he gets up there to speak and and i'm saying this for the men who weren't there and the women who weren't there students that weren't there Mm -hmm. um and he felt impressed by god that he wasn't supposed to preach that he was supposed to go in a different direction that he was kind of it's going to sound weird but to let the lord lead Mm Right near the beginning, he, he hadn't shared any scripture yet. He hadn't shared the gospel yet. Um, he he said, there might be some men here who know that they know that they know that they're not saved. He goes, I'm not talking someone who was, you know, is a Christian and needs to rededicate their life. He goes, I'm talking someone here who's never asked Christ into their life and knows they're not saved and wants to be saved. And he said, with all eyes open and everybody looking around, if that's you, would you just stand up? We had four guys stand up. I thought it was three. There were four there were men. Four. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder, Ben, these were men like Zacchaeus that had were being drawn, like what yeah. we're talking about. They were up in a tree, and it wasn't Foster. It was Jesus that said, hey, not you come down. I want you to stand up because I'm coming to your house today. Yeah. And I spoke to one of those men um, on Sunday after the retreat and uh he had he had gone home and prayed with his wife good like for the him. lord literally came to his house yeah just that day and it wasn't a sermon it wasn't a man it wasn't magic it wasn't it's god had been drawing him and then someone gave an invitation and the reason that's important with this well-known story is i'm not jesus you're not jesus but jesus lives in us and i loved how you said that it's it's there's zacchaeus's I don't even know if that's how you say that. <laughs> how, do, how do you go Zacchaeus is in plural, right? There's Zacchaeus all around us all the time. 
and they just want someone to see them, like Jesus looked up in a tree and said, come down, I'm going to your house today. It, it was an invitation. Zacchaeus still could have said, I'm not coming down there. No, I'm keeping my money. I'm keeping my stuff. You know, And if, 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 if we look in the text, it says, he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And that's when the grumble start, started, because there's always a religious person that's going to grumble. You know, there's, a, there's another little message in there for us about, you know, if you're listening and you're like, well, I'm not good enough to come to church or I've got too much of a past. No, you don't. I mean, it's, this, is, this is what the point of the story is. Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. And yeah. how many times do you say, I'm not here for righteous people. I'm here for sinners. Yeah. You know? And, and, and I mean, that, if, the, if you get nothing else out of this particular episode and you're listening and you're in that seeking place, I'm looking for something. Yeah. Uh, that's what the entire Bible is about. Yeah. It's about God getting his kids back. That's right. And he's coming for you. He's coming for you. <laughs> he came for you. He's coming for you. His spirit's still laugh yep. after you. And yeah. he wants to just help walk you home. That's beautiful. That he wants to get you home. And that's all he's doing for Zacchaeus. And uh, yeah, you, you know, just, I don't want to race past that, but that idea mm-hmm. that I have to get myself cleaned up before I can present myself to God oh, is not the yeah. case. Yeah. That is not the case. He'll help you once you are ready. Like, But if you're just seeking, you don't have to come with a bunch of Bible knowledge. You can come with all your questions, mm. and Jesus is more than willing to sit down. In fact, that's what he loves to do. He loves to In my do. experience, yeah. that's what he loves to do, sit down with you. And through his text, through other words, uh, or through the words of other people, uh, through the encouragement, through his mm. Holy Spirit, uh, he'll get to work with you. He'll walk you home. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I was talking to someone just this weekend and, uh, they had, they had, uh, um, they were telling me a story of why, uh, their father who does not attend this church. In fact, their father lives way out West, doesn't go to any church at, at best. He's a creaster. Um, but he listens to every sermon that the tabernacle puts out and he's told his daughter this. she's, she's, uh, you know, she's grown, she's got kids and, and, and she's like, it's weird. My parents listen to every sermon. They don't go to church, but they listen to every sermon. Cause when they were here from out West visiting, mm-hmm. they, they attended one time and she said, um, whatever we were doing that Sunday, um, it was, this is way back, back in the day. All right. So when we were T1, we were not multi-site. We were not thinking about a third campus. I mean, we, we were just one, but but we had, uh, whatever the message was, had put up a sign on the uh, screens, and it said, only sinners welcome here. Only sinners welcome here. And she said that so moved him that I don't know where he is on his journey, but ever since then, he's listened to the Tabernacle podcast, and he listens to all the sermons because that message was loud and clear. Now, the reason we put only sinners welcome here is because if you don't think you're a sinner, then God has nothing for you. You're little Miss Perfect or little Mr. Perfect, and you've got all your poop in a group, and you don't need a savior, you know? But when you realize that you're a sinner, when you realize you make mistakes, and, and, and you need the blood of Christ to atone for your sins, that's humbling, right? And that's who Zacchaeus is. And, and the beautiful thing in the story uh, is that we see that he, he gets saved because Jesus says, um, it says Zac- well, it says Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, 
And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. So that's, that's not just repentance. That's also what the Catholics might call penance or what Protestants might, or Protestants and Catholics might call restitution. He was not only going to change his ways, he was paying back and some with interest what he had done. And Jesus says these words, behold, salvation has come to this house today. The guy finally gets it. I would have loved to know what they talked about at dinner. Or was it like, you know, those guys that got saved at the Man Up retreat where nothing, just seeing Jesus, he, he just changed his life. We don't know. Yeah, it's not for us. Yeah. Because we'd turn it into a formula. Say these words and then people will become saved. And Good I, point. And whatever it was, that was for, I believe, that was for Jesus and Zacchaeus. Mm. And whoever happened to be else in the room. Right. Uh, we don't know. Doesn't matter. Um you know, in, if you're a part of any sort of recovery group like AA or NA or something like that, this is actually the, uh, you know, we see Zacchaeus actually going through the steps here. And this oh, really? Is, oh, yeah. This yeah. is a, a step nine. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. <laughs> oh, wow. That is amazing. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, if you're listening, um, our church, we're big fans of recovery groups. And we're big fans of 12 Steps. Uh, in fact, Pastor Tim has, and he'd probably smack me right now for calling him Pastor Tim, but I'm saying that so you're not thinking of some other Tim if you're listening. But um, Tim, who happens to be a pastor here, uh, has told us that church more and more should should be like a 12-step group or ought to be, yeah. right? And, and so that's a huge influence on us. And I love that. I mean, if you really look at all 12 steps and we've talked about maybe doing a podcast on the 12 steps, just let Tim show us how it, it, it is, it is a biblical, uh, formula for lack of better words of what repentance looks like and what true change can look like. So that's cool. I, I didn't, I didn't realize that was step, that was step nine. <laughs> Zacchaeus <laughs> is almost there. Yeah. He's, right? he's doing good. Just keep working the steps, Zacchaeus. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, do you got anything else out of that particular section, John? Nope. I think that was good. I just like 10 where it says the son of man, you know, uh, if, if you've been reading Luke and you're like, you know, they called the series the son of God, but Jesus is always talking about the son of man. What is that all about? Very humbly. This is how humble Jesus is. So Luke is called the son of God or, or our series is called the son of God in the gospel of Luke. But in humility, Jesus always refers to himself as the Son of Man. He was fully God and fully man, but it says that the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And that's what Luke is all about. That's what the gospel is all about. That's what you said already. It's what the Bible is all about. And it's just a beautiful story. Yep. All right. Well, we're going to keep moving through here. Uh, We're jumping into another uh, section, another parable here. Uh, This is uh, in verse 11. Uh, This is at least titled... Uh, the parable of the 10 minutes. Now the, the original writers didn't necessarily have these titles in there. These were added for our benefit, uh, but we're going to jump right in verse 11. As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. So right real quick there, John, the, the he and the they were talking, he was, this is Jesus still, yeah. and the they uh, were the the religious leaders of yes. that day, the, yeah. the religious Jews. Uh, they were waiting for uh, the kingdom of God to appear. Verse 12, he said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling 10 of his servants, he gave them 10 minas, 
And he said to them, Engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him, saying, Lord, your minna has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in a very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, your minna has made five minas. And he said to him, And you are to be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Lord, here is your minna, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you, because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit, and reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit, and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, Take the minna from him, and give it to the one who has the ten minas. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten minas. I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine, who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. Dang. That got aggressive. <laughs> that got aggressive. That got aggressive. Yeah. Which, you know, one of the beautiful things about uh, about the Bible is uh, we get all of these tensions. We get Jesus, I think it was a couple weekends ago where I pointed out where Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not rebuke their parents who just want me to bless them and pray for them and you know, do all this kind of stuff. And then he tells a story of, it's obvious what it's about, the coming of the kingdom, those who have invested what God has given them wisely will be rewarded. Those who do nothing, he's going to be very severe with them, right? And then those that don't acknowledge him at all as king, according to what you just read, and this isn't me and Ben making this up, so this isn't some white preacher, patriarchal, making this stuff up, right? No, nope, said those who, words in the Bible. <laughs> these are words in the Bible. Those who reject the king of kings and lord of lords will be slaughtered. And not soon after, he started flipping tables. <laughs> That's Thank right, you, Benji. Benjamin. <laughs> yeah. Benjamin's looking ahead. Well done. I believe right. Jesus is getting a little wound up. He's getting a little <laughs> wound up. Good point. So, I feel better about myself now. Yeah, yeah. Even Jesus got a little wound up at times. I saw you get wound up in a meeting the oh, other, the other day. We won't go there. We, we won't go there. I did. Yeah. I yeah. asked for forgiveness from you <laughs> and from Britain. You didn't need to. <laughs> it was all our fault. Ben was out of it words, not... and we pushed him over the edge. Oh. But so a minna, just for those who is listening, and and, and some people again, I, I love what you said about pronunciation. Some might say mina if you're wondering, and 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 so it's minas plural or minas. Or uh, some other translation we don't know. According to some commentaries, it was a Greek monetary unit worth 100 denarii. So what is that, <laughs> right? Um, or I've seen I've seen some say it's about 50 or 60 shekels of silver. So some commentaries say a mina was about 110 bucks. Um, what 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 this commentary says is it was about four months wages for an average worker based on a six day work week. Okay. So four months wages. It's a lot of money. And when you're talking about 10, that's uh, 40 months wages, right? And so that's that's a couple years worth. And so, yeah, just wanted to point that out. 
yeah, and I, I think the big thing that is jumping out for me in this, uh, I highlighted verse 14 and then uh, verse 21, um, where it says, but his citizens hated him yeah. and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. That's good. So it starts to speak to the heart of the people. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the, the man who had his men taken away, even his response um, uh, in verse 21, for I was afraid of you because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. Hmm. So he's almost justifying his actions about if you're, and we, we can see this played out in a, in a workplace. Yeah. So for me, I like to think of things and, and in my, I think of God as my boss. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm on a work site or something, uh, you've got the guys who, they really don't like the boss. They've got no respect for him whatsoever. They're there for a paycheck. They're to, they are there to get whatever they can mm-hmm. out of this company. Um, and there, there just is no respect for the man. So they don't want to work for him, but you know, uh, bills are coming. So this is the paycheck. Um, and then. You know, the, the attitude comes out eventually. Why am I working for this guy? You, you know, and they start building up the resentment. They start building up the hate, all the mm-hmm. anger, all the reasons this guy doesn't know what he's doing. If he didn't have us, yeah. you know, he wouldn't, yeah. you know, he never gets out of his truck. And they forget he owns the company. He owns the company. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the shovel you that know, you're running. Weird. I've, I've, I've had m- multiple conversations that way. Yeah. Just just with people within church, and I'm not going to say any names, but a guy will come to me with that exact grumble, and it's like, oh, I just can't work for this guy anymore, and he he you know he doesn't know, and and I always say, well, then go work for someone else, and this you and this freedom. and this really, yeah, you you have, and he was like, well, he doesn't appreciate how much I do, and I built this, and I built that, and if it wasn't for me, and you know, he he wouldn't even have any money, and he's got this big house, and I, and I'm always like, well, then go work for someone else, and they're like, but you're not making me feel better because it's this isn't fair, and I always come back to. He built the company. He's a smart man because you work for him. It, and and you have a free will. You have a free will. Yes. The interesting thing, when you pointed out that verse 14, was, wait, was it 14? Yeah, uh, he says, yeah. his citizens hated him and sent a delegation. We do not want this man to reign over us. So here's the deal. Jesus is the king of king and lord of lords but he's also a respecter of persons. So th- that is actually right there. Just hit me while you were talking. That is the answer to the person that goes, it's not fair that God would send anyone to hell. It's not fair that God wouldn't just make everyone goes to heaven. The people that don't acknowledge that he's God and don't acknowledge that he reigns and acknowledge that he is king, he respects that decision because in heaven, when the kingdom comes, the king will reign. And if you don't want him to reign over you, that's your choice. That's why C.S. Lewis can say, there is no one in hell who didn't choose to be there. They chose to be there because God is a just God. He's a severe God, but he's a just God. And so you, you, you know, that's why I'll say on a weekend, and I realize it's becoming part of the vernacular, and I, I need to explain it again. There's times when I'll say, we either say to God, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We either say it in this life, or we'll be forced to our knees and say it in the next, <laughs> right? Right. That you are King of Kings and Lord of Lords, yeah. but it's our decision. And, and, and there's so many people that the only reason they're not Christian is they just want someone or they don't want anyone to reign over them. Right. So, and it, and it, it can start with our attitude in the workplace. Yeah. So I'm, I'm picking on the construction guys. I've, I've worked in construction myself. I've been that guy. 
I have very much been that guy. So I'm not preaching. But it could be any you. workplace. I'm too. preaching yeah. to myself. Yeah. Any workplace whatsoever. Yeah. Then when we step into church, we can have that same attitude. Who is this guy on stage to tell me how I should be living my life? Mm. We don't want any authority over us. And then that plays out. Or, or parents. Or parents. Yeah. And we're, you know, they don't get it. My parents are dumb, you know. And this can be one of the biggest challenges for us in America as Victoria, our, our British Victoria ambassador, <laughs> will, will remind me, this is a country that was founded on tyranny. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, or was, founded on rebellion. Yeah. Rebellion and, against rebellion perceived against, tyranny. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Perceived tyranny. We're a nation of rebels. And we are. And we do not want that authority of us. And so we all, I, I believe, or many of us, um, myself, I'll just speak for myself, That's can fall point. very victim to, I mean, I, if I can't even handle the authority of my boss at work, um, can I handle the authority of being belonging to a church body? And if I can't handle that authority, I'm probably really going to struggle with God's authority over my life because yeah. he's not one that's going to give me an explanation of the why. Yeah. I mean, how often- Isn't, it, isn't it, that it, funny too? Is like, like, like we buck- all of those authorities, and then we wonder why our kids don't listen to us. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Because to go back to the history example, it wasn't, ju- I mean, first of all, the first people that came here, they were running away from authority. They were running, it was like, listen, now, We're not granted, getting into an argument yeah. about it. Was no, oh, yeah, but fun. granted. I love this country. Yeah. Oh, oh dude. <laughs> got yeah. a flag on my shirt right now. Church. America, <laughs> man. But- but the very first ones were looking for liberty, yeah. religious freedom, and yeah. otherwise. I need more land. I don't want to have to work for the land own, own, owners, the feudal system, what, whatever. And then we have the American Revolution, which my college professor called actually the first American rebellion, right? And we threw off, you know, the tyranny of King George. Then we start to uh, expand westward, and a whole bunch of Americans move to Mexico because there's great land. In Mexico. And then they have a rebellion and they fight against Mexico, General Santa Ana, and they formed the Republic of Texas. Texas was originally Mexico. It y'all. was. <laughs> yeah. Rebellion. Yep. Then we, you know, lost 600,000 lives fighting over another rebellion, mm-hmm. the war between the states, the Civil War. Yeah. And that, so it's no small thing what you were saying. That is a part of our character, that's a part of our nature. That's why there's a whole generation, and, and we're not trying to be political, that's why the Second Amendment is so important to so many Americans, including myself, but it's because we just want to know if we have to rebel again. The problem is if we don't learn to submit, you've got to submit your life to something. And that's a dirty word. Oh, oh we do surrender. Not like, we do yeah. not like that word. And Never die, never and, surrender. And I, don't, I would go so far as to say this isn't an American thing. This is a human thing. Hmm. Um, I, I've just probably broad brush strokes. Most of us right. do not. And we're not saying naturally. it's bad. No. We're, we're, we're not necessarily. I mean, rebellion is in itself sin. There's, But. We're not talking about rights here. No. We're talking about us and God. Time, time and a place. Yeah. Yes. So that, that was, that's an imperfect picture, um, but it does show our nature. And, and, and then even when he gets into verse 21, now we're back to being very similar to uh, what our first father Adam said to God. We're, we're playing the blame game. Yeah. Um, I was afraid of you because you are a severe man. You know, wow. if you've been nicer, maybe I, I could have played that. along with this. Great point. You take what you did not deposit and re- reap what you did not sow. I mean, he's mm. more or less saying to God, who do you think you are Yeah, to be able to tell me 
uh, or this is what in yeah. the parable is being said, but really I think what's being, the picture that's being painted is how maybe sometimes what our attitude can be when we come to God. Yeah. Who do you think you are? That's good. Why did this happen? Why did you let that? And we've got our whole list of excuses and reasons why, maybe why we won't, we can't or won't mm. trust him. Yeah. And we won't, and we don't want to be a part of what he's got going on. And um, th- this isn't a condemnation, but I think it can be a good heart check for us. Yeah. Um, it can be a really good heart check of where is, where is your heart today? Are you more of, uh, you know, I'm asking myself this, am I in a place that I'm, <laughs> I'm out doing work for the kingdom because mm-hmm. just because that's the role that God has given me, or am I chalking up my list of, excuses why this is a waste of time yeah, or why bother? You know, hey, God's got to take care of me anyway. He's given me all these promises. Um, He's God. If he needs whatever done, he can just get it done. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's a good heart check, man. But, you know, you can also flip flip that. Um, So for the person that doesn't believe in God that says um, God is so severe, that's the person who— says, I can't believe in a good and loving God because of all the evil that's happened. It's the same attitude. Yeah. You're a severe man. You're blaming God. Yeah. Which is, you know, I've, I've, I've spoken to people that are vehemently, aggressively anti-God. And it's interesting that they have such strong feelings about someone they don't even believe in. Right? Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's so severe, he must not be real. That's essentially the, that's the argument for not believing in God because evil happens in the world. Mm -hmm. Like you're very upset and angry at this entity. So instead of trying to understand, right? And I'm not saying that God is evil or is even behind all the evil. We're behind the evil. That's a deeper apologetics uh, discussion. But when God created this world, he created good and perfect. We're the ones who fouled it up. Even the fact that there are what's called acts of God. That's a complete misnomer, an earthquake, a hurricane, a tornado. It's like, oh, that was an act of God, or that was Mother Nature. And we blame that somehow on God. Now, nothing happens outside of God allowing something to happen. But the very fact that we live on an earth where there can be an earthquake, a tidal wave, where there can be a forest fire, where there can be something that, you know, it it seems like nature just killing people and killing things. That is a result of our first parents, Adam and Eve, in the garden, disobeying God and allowing evil in in the first place, because it wasn't intended to be that way. Which was an act of rebellion. Yeah, which was an act of rebellion. It was an act of rebellion, yeah. and there were two trees. Just don't eat from just, this tree. Yep, you yep. got all the rest of this, not that one. Yeah, and the, what's the one that we're going to go to? Of course. If I was told I can't have it. Boy, now I want it more than ever. Oh, you nailed it. And then you we, nailed and it. then uh, when we succumb to it, then we play the blame game, and. Again, not preaching at people. I am preaching to myself because I have to fight with this all the time. Yeah. Um, I, ooh. Now. Dang it. Why'd you ask me to be on this podcast today, John? (laughs) Because you're awesome. (laughs) And because I was tired of Bishop. God's word's giving me a. I was tired of that. over today. Yeah. That, that, that Britain Bishop, he's, he's too wise for his age and he needs to calm down. So I, I needed a guy more my age because he was, no, I'm just kidding. He's actually speaking out of town, but. There's, he's sweating there's, today. He's sweating. <laughs> yeah, 80. poor guy's dying in Florida right now. Yeah, I don't feel uh, bad for him at all. I don't feel, but hey, Britain, Benji's got your back. Yep. 
But if you look at verse 26, um, that, that is a verse that can be mishandled if we don't understand it properly. Oh, yes. Um, he says, I tell you, or I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. I would have to study this more, but it seems to me, well, well, my note says, look at the note on Mark 4, 25, but it's, it's, it seems to me that this is referring to rewards at the end of all things. Rewards at the end of all things. The reason I thought it would be important to bring it up is I have seen and heard prosperity gospel theologians, preachers mishandle that and turn it into a reason why you should give more money to the church or why you should invest more in their ministry and let them cry on their handkerchief. And if you do it, you're going to you know, be blessed in this life. And that's just such, you know, I, I hate the hair what my wife and I call the heretic police, but that is heresy. Oh, it is. Prosperity gospel has ruined so many lives. It takes advantage of people that don't understand the gospel. It gives all of us a bad name. There is no guarantee in this life that God will prosper you. There is a guarantee that God will prosper you in the next life, right? To those that serve and sacrifice and live for a greater reward, God's reward, that is a promise. But to somehow say... You know, hey, if God hasn't prospered you, it's because of sin in your life, or God oh, hasn't man. prospered you, you haven't given enough, you know, and then they'll use stuff like that. So I wanted to address that because no, I think it's talking about the kingdom. So No, that, that's really important because, uh, and Jesus talked to the, talked, uh, explained that to the disciples at one point, I believe it's in John, where there was a man who was born blind, and the question was that the disciples had, because that was a belief in that. Uh, in that society, that if bad things happen to you, well, you must have stepped in it somewhere with God. And if you had good things happening to you, it really was a, a, like a direct measure. Yes. The better off you were, the more wealthy you were, the more health you had, the more prosperity you had, uh, you must be really holy because that, that was yeah. the belief. And so there was a man brought blind before Jesus, and the disciples asked him, who was it that sinned, this man or oh, yeah. or his parents? Or his parents, And yeah. Jesus said it, it wasn't any of them. Right. This man was born blind so that the, the, the works of God could be shown. Yeah. The glory of God could be shown here. That's a great And so call, Jesus man. completely flipped that belief on his head, and it's really important to hang on to that uh, because we can, uh, in our you know, tit-for-tat society— fall victim to that, man, life is not going well. I have challenges. Why was my son born blind? Why do I have this handicap? Why did this disease come on me? And and actually uh, start to believe I must have screwed up somewhere. Right. I must have screwed up and gone against God somewhere. I must have a sin in my life. Um, I, I mean, I and John, you hit that nail on the head. Uh, uh, somebody uh, that we both know with an autistic son mm-hmm. was told by somebody in the church, well, you were, were given this autistic son as punishment for some sort of sin that you must have in your life. And what a horrible, horrible thing to say What a horrible to a thing to say. And if anyone's ever said that to you about your kid or oh someone goodness. else's kid, that needs to be rebuked. Big time. Yeah. That is performance-based gospel, which is not true gospel. not true. Sock him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Hard. <laughs> uh, Benjamin's going Old Testament right over there, the corner. He yeah, he's like, yeah, we're gonna get violent over here, man. Yeah, Benji's favorite part of the Bible is where Jesus is starting to get ramped up. He's oh like, yeah, we're gonna work out some of this aggression now, boys. Yeah, no, but uh, so 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 I've got a note in the ESV because I, I have this ESV man study Bible, which is yes. really thick and heavy, and you could always 
use it if you needed to, to, you know, nail a hammer, you know, no, to hammer a nail. Yeah, to pound a nail, right? But, uh, so I went over to uh, the book of Mark chapter four and uh, where where it has a similar, um, where Jesus said a similar thing to whom, to whom much is given, more will be given and to who, and the one has none. Um, It explains it this way. The paradox in this verse reinforces the point in the previous one. The person who welcomes God's rule and presence will be given more of God's intended fruit. I love how it says that. So if you welcome God's rule and presence, you'll be given more of his intended fruit. With the prosperity gospel and the performance-based gospel people, uh, they think the intended fruit is money, money, money. And that's not always it. Sometimes it is, but it's not. His intended fruit could be the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Um, it could be some other kind of fruit, ministry fruit. It could be the fruit of your testimony, right? But it says that we will be given more of God's intended fruit, and the one who depends on his own resources without receiving the word, that's the one who has not, will lose even that. And so it's a call to his rule and presence in our life, and to what you were saying to those false teachers, um, while you were talking, I was flipping because you made me think of a verse that's uh, in the end of First Timothy, First Timothy six. It says, uh, um, in speaking about these teachers, uh, it says, uh, if anyone teaches a different doctrine and doesn't agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus and the teaching that accords with godliness, he's puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. I'm in First Timothy six, uh, verse four. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy, quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicion, constant friction, and these people who are depraved in mind and depraved of the truth, and then get this, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Anyone who believes in that, that's the anti-prosperity health and wealth bullcrap that has infected this country. And now I'm sad to say we have, (laughs) we've infected a lot or a large portion of Africa with this, parts of Asia with this, and it's a false gospel. It's a false gospel. And and he goes on, on to say there that there's great gain in godliness in contentment. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be contempt. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. So that's not saying you can't be rich. Nope. Be careful. Just be careful what you're after. So where was that again, John? That was First in First Timothy, Timothy 6. 6. Yeah, so six. I'd encourage you... Uh, if there's one scripture to encourage you to go read, because I truly believe when we read God's scripture for ourselves, it it goes right into our heart. Um, and that's why we encourage you, get a Bible, read it. When we're doing this, go look at those words. Because at least for me, yeah. that's when they really start to uh, drive into my heart. Right. It's that, it's that double edge, or it's that sword that starts cutting. It's like, oh, dang, what yeah. am I about? What am I after? So, I mean, for me... My takeaway for this is I have to, what's best for me is to start with a content, joy-filled heart mm. uh, that if I've got any rebellion in my heart, I need to work on that. Right. Uh, you know, even even with the people I work for uh, and I work with, um, 
you know, one of the things we say around here is we, we, it's part of our staff DNA is that we are going to trust the Holy Spirit in each other. And something I've observed is it can be really easy for us to trust the Holy Spirit down the org chart, uh, down the, down the chains. Like, yeah, I can trust the Holy Spirit and the people that report to me. What's really hard and is probably, <laughs> uh, one of the biggest challenges for many of us is to trust the Holy Spirit, um, in the authority that's above us, in right. the authority of the church, in the authority of, of a board, and even more so uh, to trust the Holy Spirit that God gives us, uh, that he's speaking to us, that he's uh, challenging us through. Um, so anyway, to be able to start with that content, joy-filled heart, that gives me an eternal perspective. Right. And now that I've got this eternal perspective, I am willing to take whatever God has given me, yeah. however much or however less, because I can be content. And I can start working and 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 serving for His kingdom. You know, you 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 actually are making me, or or you made me, um, or reminded me of what it says in Colossians. That kind of wraps up that whole little section, and and really kind of the what's it say, what's it mean, what's it mean for Ben Brown? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it's so cool what what you're sharing. Because to anyone who's listening, this is applying to you. Actually, there were two thoughts. The first thought is. Whenever we get like this in a fight club and, and, and I'm flipping over to other verses, somebody will say, oh man, I just don't know the Bible like you. I just wish I knew the Bible. It, listen, this is my job. This is my job. Yep. It, when it comes to carpentry, how many times just in our friendship, Ben, have I been like, man, I wish I could just, you know, miracle up a deck like Ben Brown can, you know, or, or, and, and, and you're like, Hey man, that was my job. That was my job. Yep. Right. And, and, uh, Wherever you spend a lot of time, like I, I had a friend when I first moved to Michigan, um, take me hunting. He's a legend. You know him. His name's Bob Kellogg, right? Yes. And uh, uh, I remember walking through the woods because I got my first deer with Bob. All my kids had got their first deer with Bob. And he, I didn't grow up here, you know, and I remember walking through the woods one time and, and saw some tracks in the snow. And I said, hey, man, what's that? And he just glanced down and goes, muskrat. And I'm like, man, how do you know so much about the woods? He goes, I spent more time in here than in the woods. And he said, John, I'll make you a deal. He goes, you keep teaching me about the Bible, I'll keep teaching you about the woods. And I was like, I love it. I love yeah, this. I love it. Yeah. So so don't, you know, just like that thing you said about pronunciation, yeah. I just know this stuff because I've spent so much time here. If you look in Colossians, this sums up what Ben Brown was saying, um, which sorry for that long exegesis there on Bob Kellogg, who's one of my heroes, but this is our podcast and we love do whatever you, we want. <laughs> so in Colossians 3, verse 18, it says, uh, no, sorry, it, verse 22, slaves obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Now, it's not just talking about slaves, it's talking about anywhere where you work. Yeah, and uh, this translation I have says bond servants. Bond servants. So em- employees. That's a better one, yeah. Employees, <laughs> bond employees. servants. Yeah. yeah. You work at Chick-fil-A. Oh, there's a Chick-fil-A reference. Uh, this, is, uh, this is Benjamin right over in the corner, right? Oh, he's a volunteer. Well, this is his work. He just works here. He's right over there in the corner. This is you and me. This is us doing our job. This is whoever's listening, wherever you're at. So it says, obey in everything, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. It's saying, don't work hard for your boss. Do it because you fear God. Work is worship. Whether you're getting paid to do it, whether you're a volunteer doing it, whether it's at the church or outside the church, whether it's in a drive-through, 
or it's in an office or it's on a job site or you're watching kids at a daycare, it says, not by way of eye service, but work as for the Lord, or sorry, with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. In the verse 23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So to that guy that's still grumbling about his boss, he's grumbling up the chain, or for that boss who's grumbling about his employees, it's like, hold up a second. Or, or the guy's like, oh, I just hate this job. And we all, there's times you hate this job. Yes. We get it. It's going to happen. But you got to remember that when you roll out of bed in the morning, you work for Jesus. Not just at, not just if you're on a church staff, not just when you volunteer, wherever you're at. The student going to class, you do your best with your homework because you work for the Lord. If you're homeschooled, you do your best because you work for the Lord. You're not working for men, you know, and I've, I've tried to explain that to people and, and some of them have gotten it and you have a complete change of attitude at work and, and then they come to me later and go, oh, that really paid off. Like, like now I'm not worried about what the boss is doing with his money. I'm not worried about how the boss is running the company. That's not my job. That's not my pay grade. That's right. I work for God. I, I, don't, I don't care what, this is God's work. This, these are God's hands. This is God's talent. I'm just putting it to work for him. And I, th- I think more people would be happy or happier, have find more joy with that attitude. But the crazy thing is, and I'm not being prosperity gospel, when you work that way, those are the kind of people that get recognized. Those are the kind of people that get raises. Those are the kind of people that are entrusted with more responsibility. That's just human nature. How would I work if every time I, I clocked in, I was like, I'm not working for McDonald's here. I'm working for Jesus. And I'm, I'm you know, I think we'd work harder. I think we'd work with a better attitude, you know. Yeah, and it's there is a my experience when I'm healthy and when I'm able to do this because this is me confessing I don't always do this well. But when I can do that and maintain that perspective, and it takes work. Yeah. For me, for a sinner, it takes a lot of work to maintain that perspective. There is a wholesome fulfillment that I get out of it that money and a paycheck will never ever be Good able point. to accomplish. Yeah. That sense of like, man, I've done something. Something that I've done my I'm, best. I'm part of yeah. something that really matters. Yeah. And I'm working for a, an eternal boss. I am working, yeah, something that has eternal consequences. And I get to spread love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. You want to change the world? There's a great place to start. Wow. Where do you spend Good. all your time? Most of it's at work. Uh, and we're just speaking to all of the working class people out there. Uh, you want to change the world, you want to see it better, you want to actually make a difference, there's a great way to do it. Starts with so you. that's super yeah. practical. But the beauty of that is, you know, we start serving selflessly and and, and then we, we find ourselves being able to have compassion and empathy with those people that we're coming in contact with, which is exactly what Jesus, that's what he did when he went about it. Mm. So all those actions, how do I be more like Jesus? Start with that. Start with work. And it yeah. will, it'll work itself out. Or school. Yep. Yeah. And it just begins with that submission to God, you are God and I am not. My boss, he's a boss and I'm not. Mm. Um, the, all the authority in my life, they are there. And, and now if you're, 
Yeah, there's always yeah. an exception. This isn't a, just a straight up. You know, there yeah. are some really bad bosses out there. <laughs> yes, true. And and and, and we're not saying that we're not you suggesting stay an abusive thing or just no, you know no, no, sometimes no, no. you got to move to a job where it pays more. Yes. Um, but you know, even while you're talking, I was thinking about the housewife. You know, the the stay at home mom, which by the way, stay at home mom, that is one of the most noble titles, in my opinion, that you can have. That's not a judgment on women that work outside the home. My wife has worked outside the home, but she also spent years and years and years because we have a lot of kids um, as a stay-at-home mom. And there's this attitude, oh, you don't work, must be nice. No, you know what? You're a stay-at-home mom and that's what God has called you to or that's what, you know, your husband has, a, you know, because he works, you don't necessarily have to or you've chosen to do that, whatever reason that is. What a noble profession. But even there, stay-at-home mom, you work as under the Lord. All this laundry, all these diapers, all these kids, and it's like, oh, I just don't have time to be an adult and all this. No, you're working for the Lord in, in loving your family, in serving your family. Really, you're serving and loving the Lord in the way you keep your house, in the way you prepare a meal, in the way you do the errands and get the prescriptions and all that. And by the way, the, the few times that my wife's out of town and I'm alone with the kids— I don't want that job, man. That's a hard job. It is a, <laughs> it's hard, a hard job, difficult right? Job, but and it's often, the same thing. And often it's the same thankless. thing. Yeah, and often thankless. And often yeah. Thankless. So, in whatever role that you're in, where there's an authority over you, a teacher's over you, a coach, uh, a boss, a manager, an assistant manager, the owner of the company, wherever it is, right? Work is under the Lord, not for men. It is the Scripture says it. You can look. It's the Lord Christ you are serving. Yeah. And and those 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 guys in the parable didn't get that. No, they yeah. they didn't get that. And I I think there's a uh, I remember this story, and I can't remember who the Hollywood actor was, um, but he is now a Christian because he had a uh, a house servant, somebody uh, hired a maid. I don't know if it was a maid or somebody who cooked or whatever, um, an immigrant mm. who he treated like trash. He was mean to her. He was rude but she just always had this steady joy in her life. And at one point, and oh, I, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. And this, this, yeah. most people listening to this fight, if I could remember who this was, would know this name. Famous Hollywood name. Yeah. T- text it to us. Yeah. If you <laughs> or send us a message <laughs> yeah. because I've heard the story, but finish yeah. the story. Yeah. But in yeah. for years, she worked for him and maybe his wife or his family, whoever it was. And one day he even questioned her, how are you so happy? I treat you like, and she just said, I don't work for you. I work for Jesus. Uh, ah, yeah. and it was, it was her, it was that the way she lived her life was a testimony to him. I think of Stephen Baldwin. I think that's who it was. Yeah. And, and she was from Brazil where yes. there's a huge, there's a huge pocket of Christians yep. of Protestant Christians in Brazil. Yeah. But the way that she was living her, her life, more is caught than taught mm. and people are always watching. Yeah. And if you want to make an impact. Him and his wife to Christ. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Wow. Yeah. So wherever you are, how you're living, how you're mm. acting, how you're going about your work, how you handle yourself standing in the, um, in the grocery line, wherever that's at, little drops in a bucket add up. Yeah. They add up over time. So anyway, we, <laughs> man, this is going to be, a, every time I'm on here, we tend to go long. I'm starting to think maybe this is me. Yeah, my, Everybody yeah. gives you a hard time for talking yeah, too yeah. much. I'm starting to wonder if maybe uh, I need to look in the mirror a little bit. <laughs> Dang. Well, so this is, this is where we go next in verse 28. Um, 
This is one of the highlights of Jesus' ministry. It's known as the triumphal entry. Uh, we typically celebrate this on, on Palm Sunday. Uh, th- this is Jesus' triumph coming into Jerusalem. And uh, um, do you care if I read it? No, I'll, go. I'll go ahead and get, read get it. Get after so, it, John. So in verse 28, it says, And when he, when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of what is called Olivet, or what we call the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples saying, go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away and found just as he had told them, and as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus and throwing their, clo- their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. Um, And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the mountain of olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, and they weren't saying, they were shouting and dancing and, 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 and singing, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And that's just always that epic picture, right? And, and there's so much in there, like we could have four different sermons going off on just his triumphal entry, which was prophesied about, by the way, in the Old Testament, that he would enter that way. Behold, Jerusalem, your king comes riding on a donkey, right? And, and, uh, and so he comes on the colt, and, and the very first thing I, I think I said to you even before we started recording today that I like is it's kind of a Jedi moment, you know, like he says, Hey, you're just going to, you're going to go in town and then there's going to be a donkey there and no one's ever ridden on this donkey because he's the son of God and he knows yeah. it just untie it and bring it. And if anyone asks you, just say the Lord has need of it. Yeah. It's kind of like you said, it's a star <laughs> Wars moment, right? Yeah, these it? are not the droids you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> I love that moment. But the sermon in there is, I wonder how different our lives would be for the good and how much more God could do with his people if more of us would simply obey that exhortation. The Lord has need of it. Whatever it is in your life, your stuff, your car, your home, your time, your talent. Victoria's going to kill me right now. Where are all the drummers? I know there's drummers in our church and they're hiding out. Hey, I'm working on it. (laughs) (laughs) Bro, you just started. You just started. You're getting warmed up. There's a man over there. He's like, I'm going to play drums for Jesus, man. Good. Yeah, but but literally, like he's over there trying to say, hey, listen, I need lessons. I want to learn how to do this. Yeah, I can do this. But I know there's, now, I'm just, Victoria, please don't yell. But yeah, you know, people are like, hey, why don't we have a full band? We don't have people to play drums. We need people to know how to play the drums that just step up and go, okay, I've got drums. If you play the drums and you're listening right now and you go to Buckley or Manistee Campus, I just want you to know, Lord has need of it. <laughs> the Lord has need of it, right? I want to use that Jedi thing. Yeah. Uh, but, but with Tab Kids, you go to the second service in Manistee right now, and this is uh, March of 2022, right? So I don't know when people will be listening to this. So in March of, well, in any time period where you are listening to this podcast, we always are looking for people who will use their talent and ability with our ministries, whether it's with Tab Kids or with students, the Lord has need of it. I go to the second service in Manistee. Why is it so loud? 
because there's there's talented people that haven't answered that call yet. The Lord has need of it. And that's not to discount all of the amazing people yeah. that do work with our kids. Yep. We have an unbelievable team with Tab Kids. And under the leadership of uh, Adam Sharp and Valerie Canaday, right? And, and, and we've got student ministries like Adam Sharp and Britton Bishop. We've got unbelievable teams that answered that the Lord has need of it. Need of what? My Wednesday nights. And what I do know about God and what I do know about the gospel. And the reason I'm bringing that up is so many people miss that opportunity. They miss the opportunity. So the guy, and sorry, sorry for this long rant. It isn't just you. It's, it's also me. This guy forever in eternity, forever, and hopefully this guy got saved, that donkey owner, right? When he saw someone stealing his donkey, he's like, hey, what are you doing? Lord has need of it. And then that popped off the whole triumphal entry. And after his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, I wonder if that guy to the day he died was like, it was yeah, my donkey. That was my that was, donkey. That was my Ford F-150. <laughs> yeah. I let Jesus borrow my Ford F-150. And for $5, you can take a little joy ride on the donkey, <laughs> you know, because the donkey's still here. But it's he yeah. has the joy of yeah. saying that the incarnate Christ chose his donkey. The Lord had need of it, yeah. and so he let him use it. And and wow, dude, I want, we have eternity. I, I want to meet that guy if that guy's in heaven. Yeah. You know? Well, and I, I really, I really, there's something in my heart that really goes out to the people that are the characters, the people we read about in the Bible. We know nothing about them other than this one, like one little tiny event. And we don't even because know his name. Yeah. Like he probably walked away from that event and you're just going, all right, I guess Jesus, this rabbi is coming to town and he needs, okay, cool, whatever. End of story. And here he's, he's written about, but there's something beautiful about his heart that God is going to continue to use as an example for all of us. Yeah. And and I guess, okay, so the practical application, how does this, how does this apply to me today? Well, it, for me, part of this is making sure I'm listening to that Holy Spirit. Mm. And, and I'm picturing time, you know, standing in line behind somebody at the grocery store. Mm. And that little spirit prompts you, pay for those groceries. The Lord has need Lord of it. Lord has need of it. And, or that's, there's 10,000, it's 10 million little examples like that. They seem small. They seem yeah. insignificant. Something's going on at the neighbor's house. So, yeah. And uh, maybe a male presence isn't a bad thing to just say, hey, is everything okay over here? Yeah. Oh, I don't want to get involved. Lord has need of Lord it. Lord has need of it. Yeah. Or someone uh, at your work or at school is going through a rough time. And you're the person that instead of just walking by, you stop and you give them your time and you ask, hey, what's going on? And maybe you say, hey, you know, I'll be praying for you or can I pray for you? Yeah. Why would you ever, the Lord has need of it. Why would you go out of your way to invite somebody to Foundry? Or why would you go out of your way to invite somebody to a man up retreat or a tab women's retreat? Or, or even it's like, oh, I've been to every women's retreat there's ever been. Is there anything else? It's like, that's for the other ladies. That's not for me. Somebody at our man up retreat stood up and, and, and during the share time and called us to something. He said, you know, one of the reasons you're at this retreat may not be for you. Yes. It may be for someone else here. And I The wa- Lord has need of it. And I watched that happen because this was a man's, uh, men's retreat that we were able to bring our sons. I think 12 yeah. and up or whatever, you could bring yeah. your sons. There's a lot of and them in there. And I watched, I watched so many of our foundry leaders that showed up to that and Joel Winger, I'm going to give you a shout out Joel, because I watched you sit and play. 
is Joel sat and played a couple games of chess with my son in oh. front of the fireplace during the free time. Okay, you could walk by that and go, ah, so what? There's a guy out there, Joel. <laughs> yeah. I saw you, bro. Thanks for taking time to invest in my son. Yeah. Who just sat down, hey man, you want to play a couple games of chess? And yeah. they did. They yeah. passed time. Relationship was built. My son walked away knowing that he's got somebody else in this world, another godly man that godly he can man. look up yep. to who's going to be an example for him. And that is, that's getting out of the, well, going to the retreat, what am I going to get out of it? Yeah. I don't get out of anything out of these retreats anymore. Lord has need of it. Like, how long have you been a Christian, bro? Hmm. Uh, maybe it's time we go and we look for some other guys who are new to this that we can come alongside, sit down, and uh, sit down by the fireplace and just have a conversation about what's going on in their life. Hmm. The Lord has need of it. Yeah. Man, that... That's it. All that, right. I'm taking down the belief sign out of the hallway. I'm putting up no, the Lord, Lord has, has need, need of it. Sign. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, there's, there's some other cool things in there because there's other people that wanted to be a part of that. Their throat, I mean, they just not, I mean, it wasn't just the cloaks they put over the donkey so he could have some sort of a saddle, Yeah. but it was also the cloaks that they spread out on the ground in front of the donkey, right? So they're taking off their outer garment, their coats. This isn't a Sir Francis Drake moment. This is showing honor and respect. We're going to make a carpet of clothing all the way uh, for the donkey that this rabbi uh, is riding on. And, and, they're, and they're shouting, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. They're coronating him king right there. This is a coronation. Like they've heard about, you know, and, and, and why would they do that? This isn't a, right in a vacuum. You have to read really to grab the flavor of this, all four gospels to really understand at this point why there's this groundswell of people that are coming out of the woodwork proclaiming Jesus King is and believing he's the Messiah. He had performed miracles and not just little miracles, big ones, the dead being raised to life, more than one. I've, I've lost count by this time how many different people he's raised from the dead. Um, blind can see, lepers are healed, demons cast out, deaf can hear, dumb can speak. Uh, uh, lives change. The one we just read about, you know, a tax collector becomes a generous man who pays it all back. And so they're seeing all, the storm has been calmed, right? Uh, words got out that he's walked on water. These aren't, aren't just myths. You know, these got these eyewitnesses here. And so now they're ready for him to be the king. The whole city is turned upside down. And, and, then, and then we get to this part, which I always point out, you know, in the Pharisees, there's always the religious leaders or the Debbie Downers, right? And they're the ones saying, teacher, rebuke your disciples because they're calling you king and they're believing you're the Messiah. And I love this answer, right? And this isn't Jesus showing off. He's, he never lies. He never lies. He never exaggerates, right? And he goes, I tell you, if these were silent, the very rocks are going to cry out. So it's almost, you know, it reminds me of that, um, Man, an old gospel song, and I've been warned by my wife that I'm never to sing, right? Even though I can, but it's just don't. But it's that, uh, what is that gospel tune? Not going to let uh, some rock or sing in my place, right? Have you ever heard that? I have not, but ain't I didn't no, grow oh, up in the ghetto. Ain't no rock going to sing in my place, right? It, it, it's, it's, I mean, the whole thing is based right on here. Right. But he's stating a truth. If these people don't praise me, if he, if these people don't praise me, the rocks are going to, you, yeah. you get this? I mean, that's, I'm sorry, but that's bad to the bone Jesus right there. Yeah. And not bad. You know, at but. least in my Bible, the, the 
it's really emphasized. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples, exclamation point there. At least that's how it's written in mine. And, it, you know, when we look at the context of the day, the picture of of the Jews that they had of the Messiah, he was going to come and throw the Romans out. Yeah. There was going to be political upheaval. And so they're, they're, they're blessed as the king, king of, and king of the Jews, mm-hmm. who's come in the name of the Lord, um, play peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And it makes me wonder if these Pharisees, I mean, cause they, they were the, they were the law of the day as well. They're the po- right. politicians. Yes. I'm just Religious wondering, politicians, yeah, yeah. like guys, you need to be quiet. We don't need any problem with Rome. Yeah. We don't need any problem with the Romans. And, yeah. and there's like that, that fear of please stop stirring up the peace that we've been working so hard to keep here. Right. And, uh, I don't know where I'm going with that. I just, I, I love that. There's that contextual piece of that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, I don't know, maybe it was that it was all about the, we don't want the Messiah in here or. I'm not but even it sure might have they, been with Rome. Yeah. They, I'm not even sure that they could even see that yet. Right. They just, they were deathly afraid of Rome. They, they didn't want, <laughs> and they had secured themselves, you know, might secured some sort of arrangement that at least they could live in somewhat peace. And suddenly you got somebody coming in who's claiming that people are saying is the new king. Mm-hmm. That's not going to go well. Right. Which we're going to, as we're coming up to Easter, we're going right. to um, see. Oh, uh, see how that plays out, which if you've been around church for a while and you know what Easter's about, you know how that plays out. So yeah. there was a political aspect to that as well. So I'm 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 super glad that you brought this up, and I I hope people haven't turned this podcast off yet because uh, uh, this gets so hyper practical to our lives. I want to be careful how I say this because I'm not trying to hurt anybody, and but usually when I say that, somebody's going to get hurt. <laughs> right? Is we in the United States of America or wherever you're listening to here, but we as human beings can be, even as Christians, or maybe especially as Christians, can become just like this crowd. So this crowd, they're fired up for the very, and you triggered it by what you said, is because in their mind, the King and the Messiah and the God that they've created in their image, he's going to throw Rome out. He's going to make sure there's a, 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 there's going to be food on everyone's table and they're going to get all of the thing, the peace that they imagine. That's what they want. They want earthly, tangible, you know, and I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, or Libertarian, whatever you think your candidate is going to give you. And then there's this huge riot of, yeah, you know, which is we call political campaigns Mm -hmm. to get our guy that's going to bring peace. It's exactly what they're doing. It's exactly what they're doing. This same crowd has been pointed out by a million and one preachers. There's going to be elements of this same crowd. Not all of them, but many in this crowd will be, sh- will be screaming crucify him within a week because he's not going to give them what they want, right? That's just how we are. What he was going to was a cross, which is where we go next, right? You know, so that little thing about, um, you know, if they don't, if they don't worship me right now, the very stones are going to cry out. That's because all creation was made to bring glory to God. All of creation, it says, uh, uh, proclaims his glory. I think that's in the book of Romans. It says it for sure in the Psalms. Um, and, and, and he knows this. So Jesus isn't getting swept up in the moment. He's like, yep, some of these people are legit. Some, mm-hmm. A lot of these people are not. And, and, but regardless, whether you're really for him or you have bad motives, 
all of creation eventually will declare his glory and his praise. And that's why he says, yeah, if they don't, the rocks are going to. So, yeah. And I think this is a great picture of um, we will get p- pictures in our head of how we think God's plan is going to go. And the more I'm in the Bible and I read about how all of this plays out, God's plans tend to be much bigger and farther mm. ranging than our picture of it. We, I tend to get a very short term, like, like my life is a blip. It, like we've, we've said this here before, my life is a blip in eternity. Right. And my picture of how everything should be playing out, my expectations mm-hmm. tend to be v- <laughs> in that blip. They are very short ranging and God's plan is so much further reaching. You talked about the telescope a couple of weeks ago in the sermon where there's like that that really short term, mm-hmm. but we got to keep extending that telescope out and realize and remember that we there's certain things we might not see in our lifetime. That's right. They're, 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 most likely, there's there's many things that we're not going to see. Right. Um, we're not going to be a part of. Um, Which also goes back to what we were talking about before. That's why whatever you do, work is under the Lord. Yep. Even and, if you don't see the result. And that's the reason maintaining that eternal perspective is so important. Um, just like the guy with the colt, he had, he didn't have any idea what that yeah. little thing was, that little act of service was what that was going to turn into and how those, those dominoes were going to continue to fall for right. thousands of years to we're sitting here reading about him and going, man, how do I apply that to my life? Yeah. I wonder if he knew that, um, uh, that, well, he, I know he didn't know because he's a human like me, yeah. that his, his act of service, the Lord has need of it would end up being a gospel song that a preacher who's raised in Port-au-Prince who lives in Michigan would mutilate on a podcast <laughs> and get and me if in he trouble. would have known, he would have said, I should have just kept that stinking cold. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Just, just yeah. yeah. So you want to read what happens next in verse 41 to 44? Yeah. yeah. Um, let me pull it up in the ESV here. Make sure I. You can read out of whichever one you want. Right. I, don't care. I got two in front of me. We're going to go ESV here. Uh, And when he, that being Jesus, drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Yeah, so that, that struck me. Um, there's, Britain Bishop is famous for saying, uh, the Bible's not boring, you are. Um, and one of the ways that the Bible's not boring is there's always different parts of the story when you read, like the story of Jesus' life, which is in the, what we call the Gospels. Matthew, the book of Matthew, Book of Mark, Book of Luke, and Book of John. That's the first four books of the New Testament. And they'll all give just a different perspective or eyewitness on the same things. And until this year, it never struck me, because if you look at this, this is the triumphal entry. This is a part of the triumphal entry. Like I've always gotten so excited about the, the you know, his response to the Pharisees. You know, if, if these people are silent, the rocks are going to cry out. And I miss this part of the image. So if we have the crowds... Jesus is on a donkey. They're proclaiming, they're singing, Hosanna. Some, some of the translations say they had palm branches. I think it's in Matthew. They talk about waving the palm branches, right? 
and and this is just chaos. It's bedlam. It's like a it's it's a parade, and Jesus is at the front. In the midst of all of that, Jesus is also weeping. He's weeping, and he's so he's crying. They're cheering, and he's crying because he's looking at Jerusalem. This is the holy city. There's a reason. You know, even for the cynic, the person that's out there that doesn't really believe in God, there's a reason that Jerusalem is the most fought over city and has been the most fought over city in the world. Because the descendants of Abraham, of which there are three, the Jewish people, the Muslim people, and the Christian people are all call him, <laughs> there's descendants through Abraham. And, and, and this promised land, this is the capital of this promised land, the descendants of Abraham, they're all fighting over that place. Mm-hmm. They're all fighting over that place. And as he looks at this holy city, because that city doesn't belong to the Jews, it doesn't belong to the Muslims. It doesn't even belong to Christians. It belongs to Jesus. That's his city. He's the king of kings, right? And, he's, and he cares about these people and he cares about the city and he knows what's going to happen. And some of it has to do with the destruction of Jerusalem that's going to happen in 70 AD when Jerusalem sacked, the temple sacked. It says he wept over the city and he's just lamenting the fact that he knows and he cares. He cares about men and women and children that don't recognize him as the Messiah. They don't recognize him as king. They don't acknowledge him and he knows what's coming for them not just in the short term, but I think he's weeping beyond that up into this day that Palestinians and Jews are still fighting over that city. Er, Sorry, Palestinians, Jews, Muslims, all of these different people laying claim to that city. Blood is spilt over that city. And he knows that the real peace that would come is if they would acknowledge him, if they knew the time of their visitation. Yeah. And and that, that was, (laughs) that was what I underlined verse 42. Uh, if you even, and this is out of the NIV, if you, even you had only known on this day, what would bring you peace? Hmm. Man, and I don't know how many people I know, myself included, I would just like a little peace. Yeah. That peace, P-E-A-C-E. Yeah. Just being able to exhale, to be able to trust and be content. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think back, I was, I was trying to look at, but my phone's on airplane mode, so I don't get any, f- <laughs> any phone during calls the right podcast, now during the yeah. podcast. Yeah. I already broke that cardinal rule. Uh, well, I was trying to look up that other scripture where Jesus says, my peace I give to you. Like, oh yeah. And, and Jesus, yeah. that's, that's my, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Right. That, that is his yeah. desire for us to have peace in our heart and not through earthly gain, which we already covered mm-hmm. in Timothy, um, but that eternal perspective, that eternal peace that Jesus can give you. And, and he's, he's weeping because there are people here that have missed it. And that's really what he's, what I'm reading in there, that's his desire for them. That's his desire for us. Yeah. And, and like he says in John 10, 10, uh, when he says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Or another translation says, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. And part of that life is peace. And I like how you admitted that even you and I, or not even you and I, that sounded like about as haughty a thing as you could say, (laughs) even Christians, people in ministry, there's times when I'm desperate for peace, but at least I know where to find it. And when I take a minute, take a breath, inhale, exhale, and remind myself it's about Jesus, not about me, that, you know, my motto in life is to preach the gospel, die and be forgotten. Oh, I can take peace in that because it's his kingdom. It's his word. You know, I'm working as unto the Lord. 
with the few short years that I have in this life, I'm, I'm not going to let no rock <laughs> sing in my place. I'm going to sing my guts out. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to talk about it. I don't even care. Then all of the false expectations that I have for me and my life and my family and my kid, I can let those go because then I'm not, you know, as we've used before, I'm not gripping my life, my stuff, my people, my kids, my future, my health. You know, so many people are just gripping like this, but when we just open our hands, we don't drop it. You know, if this, if it's this pen, you know, I don't, I don't drop it. I'm still holding it, but I'm not gripping it because anything I grip, it ends up being torn away, you know, either in this life or when we realize, you know, Jesus said, you know, there's, uh, or, or sorry, I think I already read on this podcast, we brought nothing into this world. We take nothing out. So if I'm chasing after earthly gain, I'm missing the godly gain that will last forever. Something that uh, the way that this has worked out for me is, you know, that gripping uh, and in some circles that'll be called self-will. And I always struggled, well, what is my self-will? It's like, yeah, I'm supposed to make decisions. To make a decision, I have to exercise some sort of, you know, my personality and all these parts of me. Um, I've come to translate that uh, and I'm doing a little bit of a bunny trail here. That's right. It's our podcast. I'm I'm hoping I'm going to bring this back around. If not, you can... Just rain it back <laughs> no, in No, it's here. all good. But I, I've come to translate it that as my expectations. My expectations good. of this world, my expectations of how I think life is going to go, my expectations of, of God. And that's my gripping. And I'm learning, and, and this is an ongoing process, that the more I can catch those and go, oh, that's an expectation I have. I think this needs to be like this, this, and this, the less peace I have. Hmm. And for me, what I'm learning is when I can start to let go of those expectations and catch that, and then I'm turning, for me, that's the let, letting go of my self-will. That's the letting go of the things. That's the letting go of how come life isn't going the way that I thought it would. Because you had an expectation. I had yeah. an expectation oh, of it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm releasing that over to, uh, the, over to God as well. Hmm. And for me, practically working that out is, is what I'm learning in my life I have to continually do. Um, yeah. I always struggled with that, that self-will, but yeah, that gripping, that hanging on, that's what got me thinking about that. And, uh, yeah, it can be expectations of my boss, expectations yeah. of my marriage, expectations of my kids. Now we're not saying expectations are horrible, but man, I tell you what, we can grip onto those and use them as a weapon yeah. uh, against people, against God. And, uh, the more I'm finding that my hand can be pried open of those and just God's your will for this. I don't know how this is going to go. Yeah. Um, but I can trust you and I'm going to, I'm going to choose to trust you in this. You, uh, you hit on something there. There, there's a piece of paper. It's, it's like a torn little scrap of paper. I don't know where it came from either that, or I'm starting to forget things. (laughs) I, I may have, it doesn't look like my writing. It doesn't look like my wife's writing, but it might be, but it's, but it's this little scrap of piece of paper and it sits on like the dresser where I'll like, if I'm wearing a watch, it's where, you know, I have my watch or it'll have whatever, my pocket knife, the stuff that I'm going to carry for the day. And, and I've never, it, it, it says this, it says anger and resentment are a response to an unmet expectation. And uh, if my wife planted that there, she's brilliant because when I see that, I'm reminded, you know what, I'm just grumpy or I have a resentment, maybe it's towards her, towards the kids or towards somebody in my life or whatever. Then it's like, wait a minute, what was my expectation there? Was there an expectation? Now, not all expectations are bad, right? 
we put expectations on one another. I mean, if I have the expectation that you're not going to abuse me, right? And 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 if that gets violated over and over and over, then I got to set up a boundary, right? But the majority of our anger and resentment aren't those things. It's we have these little expectations that we've set up and we sometimes we can't even articulate them, right? And that's where that seething comes from. And as as we've talked about before, sometimes that anger and resentment can be towards God, you know, which is why the last couple of weeks I've been banging away on, if God doesn't do another good thing for me, he's already done enough good for me. He sent his son Jesus to die for me, right? And so we put all these expectations on people and expect them to somehow fill up the God-shaped hole in our hearts so that we can feel good and we can feel joy and peace. And it's like, no, 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 there's only one. There's only one that can fill that, and that's Christ and the contentment that comes with loving and serving him and the gospel and and, and what it means for my future. And I don't know how we got here, but uh, this is awesome. We dude. keep following yeah. the trail. Yeah. Well, and, and, and then we start talking about anger and resentment and a little bit of our conversation yesterday and what happens when we hang on to that spiritually. Yeah. And, you know, that's propping that door open. Oh, uh, yeah. That's propping that door open in that spiritual realm. That's right. For Satan to stick his foot in. Anger, resentment, unforgiveness. This is podcast 52. I think it was on podcast 51 where we interviewed Rachel. Yeah. Uh, what a beautiful story, by the way. I don't know if you heard it yet, uh, but uh, uh, for those podcast listeners that listen to every single one, she went really deep, really far. Now, she had a reason, a reason to like be hurt and abused. I mean, you have an expectation that you're going to be safe. And as a child, there was something horrible that happened to her. But over time, that was never given to God. And so then the door gets propped open and we heard in a very dramatic fashion how the enemy got a foothold, right? And, and just as a, just as a, not a disclaimer, just a word of wisdom for anyone who did hear that story, when anyone shares their change life story in this podcast, that's a gift. That's a gift. That's not to be sensationalized or abused or, or but by the grace of God, all of us, right, are unsaved and lost and 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 so she gave us a gift on that podcast right and and so man i'm super grateful to her sorry about that little bunny trail but it goes to what you're talking about anger and resentment when it leads to unforgiveness it can prop open the door the enemy gets a foothold and the enemy as we know is real satan and all of his minions all of his demons they're real they're in the unseen world and um they want to lie accuse deceive destroy murder anything good that God wants to give us, including our joy, including our joy. So end of 100%. rant. 100%. No, Sorry. <laughs> th- this is good stuff. This is really good stuff, and I, and I just have a feeling it's timely for some people. Yeah. I believe this is timely for some people. All right. So we get to the end. This is Benjamin's favorite part. It is. Yeah. You want to read it for us? Or the last part of that chapter, at I least? I will. Uh, Sorry, I keep telling you you have to dial it up on your phone. <laughs> no, no. I'm, I've just got two Bibles, and I'm, I'm just trying to make sure that I'm reading it out of the, uh, the version that matches yours. Um, Jesus cleanses the temple, verse 45, and he, being Jesus, entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, it is written, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. And he was teaching daily in the temple. The chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him, but they did not find anything they could do for all the people were hanging on his words. Yeah, and this is this this account. Um, 
uh, it says in my note here that Luke's account of this incident is greatly abbreviated. Oh, very much so. It's very abbreviated, right? So this, and, and, and there's another thing I, I've got to point out. I think I pointed it out during our content team meeting when we were uh, outlining um, the Son of God series. But it struck me as funny that in, you know, the little heading, and, and, and I think you pointed this out before, the little headings above each section, those were added later, you know, just to help us kind of navigate through the Bible, just like the chapter numbers right. and the verse numbers. But in almost every Bible I've seen, or the references and commentaries, it, it, it gives us this nice, sanitized title, Jesus Cleanses the Temple. Like he went in there with some Dawn dish soap and started scrubbing. Exactly. With rubber gloves to keep his nails nice. Yes. Right? You know, it's like Jesus cleanses the temple. Now, we know from reading the other gospels, when you put it all together, um, Jesus did this not once but twice, but this was the most dramatic one, where it says he took a rope and made a whip. And as Benjamin said, he starts tossing tables. He drives them out. This is violent. This is righteous but controlled anger. And this is a picture that we've called cleansing. He cleanses the temple. Right. Like the like he's intimidating people. Yeah. He's telling them out all and there's something about his authority, about the whip. I mean, this, this image of Jesus cracking a whip, drive now, that is not a cleansing. You know, as I've said before, yeah. if uh if Matthews, like Matthews is a big man. Yeah. The tech director at the tab. He's a large man. Benjamin, would you agree? He's a large man. And and if he's not sm- smiling, he could look intimidating. Oh, very much so. If you were to suddenly burst through this door, whip his belt off, chuck this table, like physically start throwing you, me, and Benjamin out of the dungeon, which he could do, which he could do. I believe he could pull it off. He could pull it off, you know, and we got, you know, we're crashing into stuff. There's breaking things and everything. Would any of us go upstairs and go, wow, Matt, Matt just came down and cleansed the podcast room. <laughs> would we say he cleansed the podcast room? I do not believe that's the verbiage I would use. That's the most Christian ghetto word ever. He kicks him, you know what, is what he did. He got, he got after it. So I should shut up for a second. So, No, I, and it, there's a couple parts of this. Um, yeah. I've seen this also be taken as a legalism when we talk about churches. Oh, good. When it says uh, in verse 46, it is written, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Right. And that has turned into a legalism that nothing could ever, should ever be. You can't change or you, you can't, can't buy anything yeah, or, or whatever. Or, you yeah. know, having, having a donation bucket for the coffee at the cafe is, mm-hmm. is sinful. Or the, or, or the visiting band was selling t-shirts. Oh, we can't do that on Sunday. Right. That's not the point. That's not the point. No. And especially when we look at, what Jesus is, re- like he's talking about the physical temple, temple in Jerusalem. Right. But then when we see that played out into our lives, at least this is my interpretation of this, when mm-hmm. we see that played out and our body is the temple, this is where Jesus has come to reside and take up residence mm-hmm. in our heart, uh, where the Holy Spirit lives. Uh, I see that more. I'm, I would rather probably, well, rather, I think it's more appropriate to apply that more to my personal soul, to Ooh, my personal yeah. life than I am to a church building. Gotcha. And, and often I think the danger is we can venerate a church building. Oh, this is God's house. Right. It's a building. It's a building. It's a That's tool. That's been dedicated to him. But It's a place for people to come just together. Just like the house I live in, in is God's house. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Just like your house, that's God's yeah. house too. But it's the, all his. The temple where God resides is, is my body. 
And so <laughs> I, I believe the instruction, at least what we can take away from this is what are we doing with our, with this earth yeah. suit that we've been given? Um, yeah. are, are we no, communing good. with God or am I, <laughs> am I selling myself to things for things that are not of God? Right. Um, and I think you nailed it too, because you know, the person that's been around church may have heard this, but if you haven't been around church, the, the, the money changers and the people selling things in the temple of that day, it started out as they were trying to be helpful. And so what, what, what was happening is you would come to the temple to sacrifice something. Maybe it was a bird, maybe it was a lamb, a goat. In some cases on some parts of the year, it was a, a bull, right? And these, and these sacrifices were supposed to be perfect. Depending on the sin and the Old Testament law you were trying uh, to cover, the only thing that pays for sin is blood, right? So people would come, and if you came from a far away, it's a hard thing to transport the animals with you. It's not like travel, you know, it's not, not like travel now where everybody and their brother has their therapy cat, therapy horse, therapy dog on Delta Airlines, right? Which is getting out of hand. I don't even like to fly anymore because it's like fly, a flying zoo, right? But that was hard. Sorry for that rant. But back in the day, <laughs> instead you would bring your money. So the animal that you had, you would sell and then you would bring your money. And when you got to the temple, it's still a sacrifice, but you're like, you know, I'd like to buy that lamb because it looks like a perfect lamb and I'm going to offer it. So that's what they were doing. So these people were providing a service. Um, but what was happening with that, just like everything else with religion, it was getting out of hand. For one, they started bring, bringing imperfect lambs. Like, so if it's supposed to be a white lamb, Britton and I were laughing about this and he's got a little spot. Well, that's not acceptable. Well, this guy's got a little white paint and, and he's making it a perfect lamb, right? And, and, and it's not really a perfect lamb. So that's a ripoff. Or he's, he's like, oh, long walk from Jericho, huh? Yeah. This lamb's going to cost you uh, 10 minus. And, and it's like, no, dude, that's just a couple shekels of silver. And it's like, well, sorry about you. Good yeah. luck finding one in Jerusalem. So yeah. they were, or they were changing money. If I came from a different country and the other practice is it was starting to bleed into the temple. And so now you've got a place that's supposed to be a holy place turning into this disorderly marketplace, right? So it, it, it is both ways. We can make it about where the temple resides now, which is the temple of my heart and your heart and those that call in the name of Christ. That, but it was also a physical ripoff was happening. So sometimes, oh, yes. Yes. sometimes I imagine this is Jesus' attitude towards false teachers. This is his attitude towards prosperity gospel dudes that use the church as a place where they can get rich, ungodly gain. That's not what it's about. You're taking advantage of people or to any church that takes advantage of people, right? The everyday person that just wants to connect with God and now churches become a disorderly place or it takes advantage of people, it hurts people. His attitude, uh, like, like, like Benji said a few minutes ago, Jesus is going to come and he starts tossing tables yeah. because he is the lamb of God who just in, in, in a matter of a week of the timeline of this is going to be hanging on a cross, the lamb of God. But we can't forget he's also the lion of Judah who's just, who one day will come to judge the living and the dead. He comes riding a white horse with a sword and an army behind him. And you get a little picture of this. And so I love the paradoxes of Jesus. One moment they're proclaiming him king. He's a grown man on a donkey, weeping. 
the next moment, he's given him just a little picture of, no, this is the king of kings, and he's not okay with your sin. He's had it. And and he gets angry. He does. Righteously. Yeah. So Well, and, and it, it really goes against that that hippie version of Jesus that can often get painted. Oh, he was just a cool dude, like to sit around and chat with people all the time. And, and it really, I mean, we've got to remember it, son of God, son of God, this is God in flesh. And so all of God's attributes, we're getting a glimpse of those. Yeah. And, and wow. Uh, you know, I, I, I remember Hollywood did a, a Bible series a few years ago, very well meaning, mostly very well done, but I can remember the Jesus flipping tables in this particular Bible series as I was watching it. Was and it cool? No. No, it, it wasn't was cool. It was the most, like he literally was, the, the way they had portrayed it, he literally walked by this table and so gently reached over and just oh gently flipped gosh. it. And I was like, like there Because was, we can't have Jesus look like oh a man. Oh no, he just, he- That he was, makes me mad. As he did it, he just, there was no expression of anything on his face. And it was like, <laughs> oh guys, I think you really missed a good yeah. moment there. But- yeah. Uh, well, no, that's that's important, Ben, because um, God God meant it when it said, you know, He created them, male and female. He created them. Now, we know that God is spirit, right? But God identifies as a father, right? He doesn't identify as a mother, right? Now, we're not saying that that doesn't diminish. Women, that doesn't diminish motherhood, but it needs to be said, and it will be said at our church and on this podcast, that God created genders, and they're unique, and they're important, and your gender is sacred, right? So God has masculine and feminine characteristics. I have masculine and feminine characteristics. Women tend to have more feminine characteristics than masculine, but you have both, and men, ha- and, and men have masculine and feminine. We all have both masculine and feminine characteristics, but culture wants to confuse us about those things. And sometimes the church plays right into their hands. So they don't want Jesus to be offensive. So they're going to play down what is a masculine characteristic. Not that women don't get mad and they do, right? I mean, they can fight and they can get mad and, you know. Benji, can Victoria, can she hold her own? (laughs) What? Can Victoria throw, or can she hold her own in a fight? Yes. (laughs) And you'll have to ask Benji or Victoria why they fought, but uh, uh, yeah, she could throw a punch, right? But um, but they're downplaying Jesus' overtly masculine characteristic right there to our detriment, because then what it does is it it, it sends this message to men that you know, holy, bless, nice, soft. Jesus had soft hands. Nope, Jesus was a construction worker. He was a tra- I mean, he. He had a trade. Yes, he now did. it says carpenter. Yeah. Um, now you're a carpenter. Hey, if it worked for Jesus, it was good enough for Jesus, good enough for you, right? That's right. Yeah. Carpenters usually have fairly strong, calloused hands, right? Now there's some who believe that maybe he, it, it wasn't just with wood. He might have also worked with stone. Mm-hmm. So that word could also be translated a stonemason. Now his hands are even harder. He's probably got, you know, Popeye forearms like you, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, He's, he worked for a living. He was a dude. He was a manly dude. And he was a manly dude that was intimidating enough to drive out all of the thieves and all of the vendors and all of the money changers and all of the robbers. And it was, um, it was a moment that they never forgot. And it wasn't this, excuse me, guys, I'm going to turn this table over. Money spraying all over the floor, 
animals are being set free. It's a ruckus. So much so, and here's the point to all of that, that he ticks off the religious people. And it says um, in verse 47, and he was teaching daily in the temple and the chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him. They wanted to murder him. This was it. This was the last straw because those men served them. And I wonder how many priests weren't getting a little kickback or Pharisees or scribes getting a little kickback from that little business. You know, they were, they ruled the place. You know, they were getting, I mean, at least in my opinion, I can't say that exhaustively, but it says they wanted to destroy him, but they did not find, but they did not find anything they could do for all the people were hanging on his words. And so we get this picture, and I, I, can't, I can't remember where I was reading. It must have been in a commentary. If you look at this last week of Jesus' life, he would come in with a posse, and he was always surrounded by a crowd in Jerusalem, so they couldn't touch him. They were afraid to come after him. And he didn't spend the night there, but he always went out of town and stayed in a place like Bethany or some other place where he was surrounded by more of his allies. So he was coming into the city every day because he had some more teaching and some more things he needed to do, and they're looking for a chance, looking for a chance. But they, you know, they didn't know what hotel he was staying in, and whenever he was, <laughs> it was broad daylight, there was a huge crowd, and so they didn't dare touch him. So I don't know. I've just always loved that image. Um, it wasn't peaceful, Jesus. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if there's one takeaway, I, I just remember uh, when I was first exploring Christianity, that was one of the big things that I had to get over is is um, the picture I had was always sit down, take your lickings, don't ever ruffle things, uh, just be nice. And the, to me, that was what being a Christian man was all about. Like, you're just going to be nice. Yeah. And Oh, the whole turn, turn the other cheek. Oh. Yeah. Why didn't he turn the other cheek about the temple? Maybe it's because we don't understand what he meant when he said turn the other cheek. Maybe turning the other cheek doesn't mean roll over. It doesn't mean roll over. That's not what it means. You know? Sorry, I cut you off there, man. No, but, no. It, but but that was something big. And there was a certain book that I read that helped me get through that. And um, and just in it, what, what it was doing was exactly this. It was pointing out. I was like, no, uh, Jesus wasn't just a nice guy. Uh, he had some very masculine qualities. Mm-hmm. He was a man's man. And uh, he had, but, and, and in that, he, <laughs> we talked about it at the men's retreat. He, he, he could cry. He was a man who could cry. He was a man who could flip the tables. He, could, he was a man who could sit and listen to people. He was a man who could command a crowd. He could speak up and people would listen to what he said. He was mm-hmm. a leader. Uh, he, yeah. is. I'm saying was when we're talking about his physical presence on earth. When, when he, when he was, was on earth. When he yeah. was with these people, mm-hmm. because that's what we're going off of. And then when we get to Revelation and we see the picture of how he's coming back, yeah. um, it is not soft and lovely. Right. It is, right. it's, it's going to be a thing. Yeah. When we were at the Man Up uh, retreat, Foster Christie used the term tender war- warrior. Tender warrior. And that's who Jesus was. And that, the beauty of that uh, uh, moniker that he used to describe who we're supposed to be as men, that actually takes into account both our feminine and masculine characteristics. Tender hearted, tender towards God, tender towards the lost, towards my wife, towards my kids. There's a tenderness in here. There's a, there's a love and a compassion and a softness that I'm not going to hide. You know, 
I have I have the the curse of of having to talk about really deep things on a weekend in front of a crowd and and it, it it's telecast to Manistee and all around the world and people see me cry a lot and I hate that. And I don't manufacture it. I had someone say, you know, I was there all three services. And when you read that part of scripture, you got choked up at the same part every single time. Was that real? Yes. And, and even when I'm alone, there's there, there's certain things that I'll read in scripture that I'm like, dang it, I got to read this out loud this weekend. And I know I'm going to get choked up because it means so much to me, right? It just means so much to me. That's the tender part. Um, but we're as men called to be men, we're called to fight for what's right, to fight for the gospel, to fight for the hearts of our wives and fight for the hearts of our kids and fight for the hearts of the lost, you know, and that's the warrior part. Um, and we see that, or, or sorry, we saw that in David. David's a beautiful picture of that. He kills giants, but he writes songs. And I joked about it during the Samuel series, right? It's like, oh, I hate this guy. He probably had a six pack by age eight and he's beautiful to look at and he could sing and he's like Ben Brown in the band, you know, but he's also like a soldier. He's like a Jocko at the same time or, you know, whoever. Um, Adam She's Sharp. Adam, like Adam Sharp. Sharp. Oh yeah. And Rachel Vore. And Rachel Vore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Get pictures of them back in the day. Right. But what, what we see in Jesus, he's an even better picture. So what we saw the tender warrior in David, Jesus, even more so he's the man's man that was tender hearted, but he's also the King of Kings. And, and just that little glimpse right there of letting them see what what the warrior part is all about. I love it because when we really understand the Bible, you don't have to be, if you're a man, you don't have to be soft to be a Christian. No. He needs tough guys. He needs manly men. Um, he needs men that are willing to get after it, men of resilience, men of perseverance, men of honor, men of integrity, uh, men that'll be faithful and love one wife, one woman until the day that they die, right? With everything that they have that will lay their lives down uh, for their kids, will, won't be afraid to tell their kids no, won't be afraid to stand up and be a member and submit to a church. I mean, it's just, I'm just seeing how this podcast is going full circle. Coming right and back I'm, around. I've had two cups of coffee, so I'm wired right now. But, uh, but this stuff gets me fired up. Yeah. And we need women the same I way. I was just going to say, and, yes. and women the same way. And I think the question comes down to where we get off track is, what are you fighting for? Yeah. Are are you fighting for that next bigger house? Are you fighting for the next, um, well, we can be endlessly creative with the earthly things that we're going to fight really hard for. Yeah. The things that we will stand our ground for. My rights, my this, my that, my, 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 my. And we need to be able to go, no, we're going to fight for the things that are important to Jesus. Those are the things we're going to fight for. There's yeah. where we're going to spend our aggression and our energy. Those are the things that we're going to drive a stake in the ground on and not get swept away and get distracted. And I'm preaching to me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not me preaching first. at you. Yeah. I'm preaching to me first. Yeah. Not get distracted and fight for things that just don't matter. Yeah. This world will pass away and everything in it. Yep. And uh, what, what do I want my life to be about? You know, from, from the parable of the minus? With what he's given me, the few talents or abilities, time, money that I have, I want to invest it well for him. That's right. And uh, and just right here at the end, I want to praise him. I don't want no rock to sing in my place. No. And uh, um, and even with the way we work, I mean, that's our praise. That's our workship. Yeah. Um, workship is another way of saying 
worship, worship. It's, it's, uh, I'm putting a K in there if you can't tell mm-hmm. and then not, but, um, but then this picture of who the conquering King looks like, mm, I want to go shoot something. <laughs> no, that was yesterday. <laughs> That's all I got, man. <laughs> all right. That's all I got. Seems like a great place to land the plane, John. And, uh, we've gone long as we tend to do. Oh, Hope we you got it. something out of that, but, uh. You know, somebody said to me one time, it's like, oh man, why do they go so long? Why are these podcasts? You can press pause whenever you want. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you you don't have to listen to the whole thing at you once. You have complete control over how much you want to listen to this. That's right. And, yep. and, and if you're the guy or girl that always stops at the end and you miss our shout outs, well then m- maybe you don't like cake. Maybe you, know? you don't. Maybe you don't like, you know what? We had our 50th episode like two episodes ago mm-hmm. and there was no 50th trace cake. She might be tired of the shout outs she might I, I don't know business might be booming oh, oh maybe she, business might be, she bo- might be a little busy john she might be a little, <laughs> too busy just to make us cakes or cupcakes i'm not sure yeah i'm trying to watch my waistline yeah trace, we love the trace cakes trace. uh but i do have to watch my waistline yeah uh, this is not a schuyler bible by the way this is a crossway esv with a pleather uh cover oh. yeah, if you're watching Pleather meaning not real leather, but I like it this because it's a study Bible. You can get this in the goat skin. Yep. But we love Schuyler Bibles. Yep. But and we I've, also love Crossway Bibles. But I've, I've got my old school one. This was the first study Bible I got when I started Fight Club uh, almost 11 years ago now. Is that a 1984? Do you know if it's NIV 1984? It's NIV. This is like one of the life application study Bibles. I think I got it. It was... Well, it was Borders back in the day. Now it's okay. BAM. Yeah. My wife actually bought this for me. This is a 2011, actually. I like the, the 1984 NIV. Yep. The new NIV I'm not a huge fan of just because I learned on the NIV 1984 yeah. and some of their translation stuff. But any Bible's a good Bible if you're listening here. Get a Bible. Yep. Buy it on Amazon. Britton and I are big fans of the goat skin. You have a goat skin. I do have a goat skin. Yeah. It was a gift. Uh, this was a really cheap one. So, uh, or, well, it's not a really... Uh, it's, it's not an actual leather. The beauty part of this is if you carry it around for a little while, it makes you look like you really know your, know your Bible because it's yeah, really wore out. Yeah, it's got that beat broken in <laughs> yeah. like a really good truck, and you're like, man, that guy knows his stuff. Oh, man, he's it's, yeah, that, you know? that Bible's falling apart. Yeah, no, this right? was on a lot of job sites, a lot of Freedom Builders job sites. That's uh, awesome, Kelly, man. Skip, and Joe love you guys. I uh, hope you're doing well. Miss working with you. Um, oh, shout out to the Freedom Builders. Yeah, and that, say hi to those guys. And that is free. Yeah. yeah, it is free, man. If you yeah, ever want to get part and go out there and uh, you've got a little construction skill. Or none. Uh, or none. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. If you are a seventh grade uh, student, male or female, they can use you. Yeah. And, uh, what, can you tell them real quick, like what kind of job sites? It's it's for yeah, people so, that need help, right? Yeah, Freedom In the Builders, Grand Traverse yep, County. five yeah. county area uh, around, surrounding Grand Traverse County, and they meet critical home repair needs for people who can't handle it themselves. In the whatever, name of Jesus. In the name In of the Jesus. Name of Jesus. Um, and they recruit volunteers from local churches to go uh, be the hands and feet. And they equip. They will train you. They've got the tools. They'll have the materials there. Um, but, yeah, go check out Freedom Builders Missions, some of my favorite people in the world. Do you know uh, their website? Uh, fbmissions.org. fbmissions.org. Yep. So if you're a dad out there and you're just like, man, these kids, they're ungrateful. I got to eat. You know, da, 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 da. Here's the deal. Go on fb. Missions. Missions.org. Yep. Get a little info, call them up, find out when the next, because it's always on a weekend. It, it seems well, they, like- they got weekends, they do weekdays. Oh, do they do uh, weekdays yeah. Oh, yeah. too? Yeah, yeah. every yeah. weekdays. Um, but you could take your kids with you is what I'm saying oh, and yeah. say, hey, me and my two yep. teenage kids, we're going to come down and we're yep. going to serve somebody besides ourselves. That'd be an awesome- 
don't wait for the church to ask you. Just do it on your own. Just do it on your own, man. And, and that, I'm just going to tell you right now, there's plenty of work out there. And uh, whatever skill you got, the Lord needs it. Yeah. There's another shout out. Um, uh, Benjamin, you and Jacob are going to a concert tonight. What's the name of that band again you're going to see? Fit for a King. Fit for a King. Is that a Christian band? They are very Christian. Very Christian. And uh, are they, do they slay? Like, like oh. is it acoustic guitar? Like no. A little happy music? Death. No. Deathcore, metalcore. <laughs> Slightly Death. aggressive? Yeah. Yes. So, hey, all, for all the fit for a king it's fans. It's not like, but it's not like, like screaming, I'm going to rip your head off. It's oh, like, gotcha. praise the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> praise the Lord. Praise the Lord loud. Praise so the Lord loud and aggressively. That's our first fit for a king shout out. All right. So, yeah, f- fit for a king. Some swag could come our way. That would be cool. You know? We're okay with that. We're, yeah, we will not, we will not turn away free swag from Fit for a King. Do you think they're listening to this podcast? I'm going to have to, I got to check these guys out, Benji. Do you guys got an extra ticket? Uh, no clue. No I, clue. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. He's just along for the ride. So <laughs> we miss Bishop. Yep. We hope he'll be back soon. He will. But if he doesn't, we'll just do more Bible stuff. Just do this. We'll just keep, what do we say? How about we just open the Bible and read it and see what it says? Yeah. And you can do that right there at home. You can do it. Yeah. All right. So this is Ben and John and Benji. Uh, Benji, thank you for running the cameras, for being our video producer. Uh, much appreciated. Uh, you know, he said, he said, um, because we asked him why he's not on the pad or, or why we don't have a camera on him. And, and oh, yes. so, so he's agreed that there will be a face reveal. Benjamin, you do, do, do you want to say what you're, yeah. Well, I was thinking 3 million subscribers, but we can drop it down to 30. 30? <laughs> 30? 30 we subscribers? To, we have way I more than 30. When we have I'm way ready, more th- I will sit right where you, Okay. Maybe, when he's like ready. Okay, you've heard it. Right. He said when we have 3 million subscribers, there will be a face reveal. Yes. Right? That's what I heard. But it, it, you, I'll just do it when I want. Oh, <laughs> oh, okay. He's just changing the rules of the game. He just changed the rules of the game. That's what we do. It's our podcast. We do whatever we want. That's so, what we yeah. do. All right. So, Tab family, uh, click like, share this with somebody. If they need to hear it, if you think there's something here that might help somebody speak to them, Feel free to send it their way. Uh, the worst they can do is say, I didn't like that. And those yep. guys are weird. And you can say, yep, I know, but they love Jesus. Subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe again. Well, yeah, Give I, us five stars. Yeah, it's something about algorithms. It just helps generate more publicity. And it's it's good because, not because we want to be more public, but we believe the message and the change life stories that we're sharing here is good for the king and his kingdom. And so uh, when it's not, honestly, Britain has prayed this more than once just so the people that are still listening know this, when this becomes about us or when we this becomes just, you know, just something to glorify the tab or it, not a godly thing, our prayer is that he'll shut it down. Just shut it down. Amen. And so, yeah. Until then, though, you can be a part of it. Yes, you can. Yeah. And uh, the, Lord, uh, the Lord needs it. So he, the Lord needs your- The Lord has shared, need of it. <laughs> he has need of it uh, by you sharing it with somebody that you know and love. Uh, yeah, uh, he can use it. So with that, this is Ben and John and Benji Vermilia out.